what you want. We got the A's and the O's, what what you want. Bitters and niggas on my line, what what you want? What what you want? What what you want? What? Thirty in my blood and like what what you want? I be wearing most real like what what you want? I'm trying to stack a couple bills, what what you want? Second coming back for these niggas to salvation. Turn up, feeling hard palpitations. It's amazing, fire blazing. Back to life like soul to soul. Scheming on my energy, that's how the story go. No guess, I'ma wing in full pressure. I'ma bring and see the crew. Baby, throw the level up like we believe it. The team in the smoke screen. Throw the money down, I want the whole thing. Audio drug, give me the dope lead. Compilation popping, we the best thing. Rocking late night, zombie life, spit the doctrine. Zero still a zero. Never been on the second top 10 But if I ain't up on your list of That's the top 10 Real spit the family stone Rock solid, yeah, the squad got it Pace style, do it for the check Keep my eyes got it, wait now Life be stretching, I roll the eggs out of the hell of state Get the weights up and we bought the net profits Teams train to go, what, what you want? You see me wavy with the flow, what, what, what you want? We got the A's and the O's, what, what you want? Bitters and niggas on my line, what, what you want? What, what you want? What, what, what you want? What? Thirty in my blood, it like what, what you want? I be wearing most real, like what, what you want? I'm trying to stack a couple bills, what, what you want? Money down, I want the whole thing. Audio drug, give me the dope lead. Compilation hopping, we the best thing. Rocking late night, zombie life, spit the doctrine. Zero still a zero, never been on the second top ten. But if I ain't up on your list, that's the second top ten. Real spit the female. Pastor of the Main Missionary Baptist Church here in New Haven, Connecticut, and this is Community Spotlight. Good morning, Joe. Good morning, sir. How are you? I am well. Welcome back. Welcome back. Thank you so very much. Oh, um, yes. Glad to be back in the Elm City. Glad to have you but back. But not with the cold. I always said that I would not take a vacation to a warm spot during the winter. And you should have held to it. Because it's going to be hard coming, coming back. back. <laughs> But I did. I had to. I yeah. had to. I had no choice. The winter was when, you know, certain people were born. <laughs> so <laughs> I had to go. I had to go. There you go. Um, Nothing wrong with winter babies. Uh, yeah, you know. You know but, um, leftover warm, from summer. Nah, <laughs> one spot. It was um, nice. Uh, nice to be away for a little while. Yeah. Come back. Um, so I came back from uh, our main destination. Okay. And spent a few days in the ATL. Atlanta. Yes, for the all, for the uninitiated, that's Atlanta, Georgia. For people old school, that's Atlanta. <laughs> <laughs> the uninitiated, that's Atlanta. There you go, Atlanta, baby, Atlanta. We don't put that T in there for, huh? Good. So, um, <laughs> while in Atlanta, yes. Um. You look sharp, by the way. I gotta tell you. Um, thank you. Thank you. I come back from vacation. Um, you still, you still well. Oh yeah, you don't see the picture no more. But uh, yeah, that's. Uh, she yeah. she makes sure it's right. That's her. That's her. There you go. So um, go ahead, sir. In yeah, Atlanta. They said, "Give credit. Give honor where honors do. Give credit where credit." <laughs> so true. So um, in Atlanta. Yes. Um, we Uber. Uh, you know. Uh, decide not to get a get a car. This Uber. 
And Ubering is a very uh, interesting experience because the Uber drivers are not taxi drivers. Mm-hmm. It's not their job. They're not their main job. Or whatever. Right. So all of these people come, you know, with a whole bunch of different experiences and different, um, you know, realities in life. You got people who do this as a side job. You got students. You got, you know, stay-at-home moms. Um, they ain't staying at home. Yeah, they ain't staying at home. Well, they used to stay at home, but now the kids yeah, are grown. Yeah, so now they start Ubering. Wow. Um, That's interesting. um, I didn't even think of that. Yeah. Listen, um, a friend of mine said to me that. I mean, she got the minivan. She may as well put it to use. Right. (laughs) One of the um, Uber drivers was the president of one of the small colleges in in Georgia. Speaking of, well, we'll talk about that. Go ahead, sir. So he was Ubering. Um, we're gonna see the Uber driver. Who's Uber driver? We're gonna see the president of Morehouse next. Met a um, lot of yeah. We can talk about him a little bit. <laughs> met a lot of interesting people doing this. So if you're ever Ubering, yeah, you gotta talk to your Uber driver. I would think because it's it's just a good conversation regardless. I think any car that you get into, you should at least talk to. Yeah, you, well, you know, you talk, you, but sometimes people just don't have anything to say. I mean, let's be. I force it out of them because okay. I always try to get an an idea of whom I who's who you're with, right? Yeah. Well, anyway, we got in this car. Mm-hmm. Uber driver, yeah. brother, he was fairly young looking, mm-hmm. um, told us he was a retired police officer. Huh. He had worked for 28 years in the Baltimore Police Department. Started at 18? I guess so. Oh, wow. 28, 28 years. 28 years. He, pretty he young said, looking. He said he wanted to do 30, but he just had to get out. He just had to leave. So Black was, guy? You know, like, yeah, brother. Mm-hmm. So what's going on in Baltimore, man? Oh, my God. That's the only question we had to ask. Oh, he just opened up. He just opened the the, the, the can of, of 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 you know information and, and and transparency. He said, "Listen, the Baltimore Police Department is completely corrupt. It's completely corrupt." Oh he said, I, "The stuff that I've seen, uh-huh. the stuff that I've reported, uh-huh. the stuff that I've been reprimanded for reporting, oh, while man. the person I reported on got a slap on the hand, um, just all kinds of stuff going on." And how um, uh, poor black folks mm-hmm. are treated yeah. in that city by mm-hmm. the police department. And this is what a great president would like to see across the country be. Right. He talked about how um, how um, they had got so desperate mm-hmm. for police officers. Yeah. They were literally hiring criminals. Literally. People had records. Oh my God! Or have records on the have re- right, right. So all kind of all kind of criminal stuff is going on. Criminal so minded. I never told him anything about me. We right. just got engaged in the conversation about him. Keep it about on him. him and all that stuff right, right. going on in Baltimore. So I asked him. I said, "What are the churches doing in Baltimore around these issues? Making money, more money, money." He said, "Absolutely nothing." Making money, more money, Very money. Low. He named a couple of churches that I'm familiar with, a couple mm. of preachers that was I, who I know, mm. whom I know by name. Mm. And by, um, um, I know, I'm not going to call, tell you how I know them because if I told you, you'll know who I'm talking about. Oh, okay. But I know them, know them. Okay. I know them, know <laughs> Yeah, okay. So, um, um, I got two Morehouse brothers who pastors in that city. Mm. Uh, but but uh, one of them has a big church, major you know, type situation there in terms of numbers, in terms of numbers, in terms of numbers. Um, it's all about the numbers game, baby. And so I, I, I conjectured, uh-huh. um, do the members who go to these churches live in Baltimore? Of course not. Absolutely not. Just like everywhere else. Absolutely. All of these urban cities and stuff. People coming in from outside. Raping the city. Raping the city. Don't care anything about the city. Don't they care. literally go to church in a gated community. Because once they park their fine cars at the church parking lot, they close the gate. <laughs> lock it up. <laughs> protect those cars. Get security uh, out there. Oh and after they God. finish getting their church on, getting their shout on, and getting their Lexuses and Mercedes and all these other <laughs> kinds of stuff. And they Mercedes, drive home. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, say uh, what, what, what did the brother say? Uh, the reason is called um, he called it Mercedes. <laughs> he called Mercedes uh, Mercedes. Mercedes. Because after a few months, he's like, Lord have Mercedes, these bills is killing me. <laughs> <laughs> Lord have mercy, these bills is killing me. It's a Mercedes. Oh my um, god! So they go and they drive out, you know. Yeah. And the pastors and the preachers don't really care anything about the city because they're congregations. Right. It's not, not a, from the you know, city. from the city. Right. So there's a lot. So there goes that whole community right. investment. Just no, right. No community need investment to. is is so um, um, not 
you know, a part of their mentality, part of their target thinking. Mm-hmm. And so, and a lot of them, uh, uh, you know, some of them are brought out, if you will, paid off. Mm-hmm. You know, they're part of the the problem, some really, of the corruption and problems. Yeah, they, you know, they're getting enough to keep their mouth shut. Uh, that's why I try to remain as independent as possible. And it's a good thing. As independent as um, as I'm supposed to be <laughs> as a preacher and a pastor in this city or any other city I've, I've, I've been in or I you know, may go to or whatever for whatever um, my um, career takes me. Because that's our reality and that's our calling. But I want to bring back a notion, a concept, idea that I put out before. I don't remember if I've talked about it on this station. But um, we were trying to work a program at um, Emmanuel for a few people because you know we have some of the same issues where people come into Emmanuel from different places mm-hmm. and they don't really you know have feel like they have an investment in the city. Um, and I said to them, you know, I said to the congregation over and over again, we are responsible for where we are. Correct. Not where you we necessarily live. live right. But we as a congregation are responsible for the city in which we live, in which we reside, and where our church um, is. Um, but so we, we had a program we called um, uh, Putting the Neighbor Back in the Hood. <laughs> I like that. Putting the neighbor back in the putting, hood. Yeah, putting the neighbor back in the hood. The I, I mean, the, that particular term was something that I read somewhere. It was almost like a um, um, sort of a, a, a you know bypass statement or whatever. Somebody had written an article, yeah. and I saw it. And I was like, that's a good you know concept. And now, how do we, or you know, just the turn of phrases, you know, catchy, whatever. Um, how do we make this a reality? How do we live? This, this particular this particular notion. So we came together as a group in the church and started looking at you know ways in which we need to make this thing kind of happen and or try to make it happen. We talked about communities that we grew up in, you know, back in the day, as we say, mm-hmm. right, where everybody basically knew everybody in the neighborhood. Correct. You knew who lived there. You knew who didn't live there. But that's the difference between a community that's, versus that, a neighborhood. That's what's happening today. We got communities and we got hoods, but we don't have neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. You knew who lived in your neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Um, parents, you know, my my um, parents, foster parents, and I was growing up in St. Petersburg, and and then um, my adopted parents worked. You know, my mother worked. You know, talking about women are now working. You know, they started talking about that in the eighties, nineties. Right. You know, because white women will, you know, come outside. <laughs> Leave my white woman alone, but go ahead. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> I get you. But black women have been working since the since the ship came over. I'm just saying. So true. I'm just saying. So true. I can't um, on that. So you I, know, I, know. That I, work, I can't argue with that. That work has been working. Yes. Sir. Um, and um, so we would come home. We didn't know the term latchkey as people used it. You know, later in the '80s or whatever. But we came home and we had people in the neighborhood. Wait either, a minute, wait a minute. What's a latchkey? You no, know, that was the kids who came home, you know, and they had their own key to the house, but oh. the, the parents weren't there. Oh, okay. Um, you know, so they had to go in and, you know, the keys were, I don't know what the, what the latch meant, but, you know, the keys. I know what's a latch. A latchkey um, to me was something, one of those pushover boat things. Yeah, that, that, that is true, but they used it in that term. The keys, kids had the keys. They had to come in an empty house because the parents were working. Oh, okay. Well, we either went to somebody's house who was in the neighborhood who we had to stay with until Obama and them came home mm-hmm. after school, or um, there were folk assigned to, you know, make sure we were doing all right and got home and, you know, doing what we supposed to do and not, you know, messing around. And that is because so true. That's and how neighborhoods were back then. Right. You know, um, you had all of these surrogate parents mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff. Um, but what I realized, and, and, and then of course we had, let me say this part, we had the connection between uh, or among the different communities in which we engaged. Mm-hmm. So when I went to church, whether my parents were there or not, mm-hmm. that's my um, foster parents who rarely went to church, quite, quite frankly, we went every Sunday, mm-hmm. regardless of whether they were there or not, there mm-hmm. were people there who right. made sure we you right, know, behave. Well, correct, correct. Went to the school. I know exactly what you're talking right. about because, gosh, I I went through that. Right. You know, you go to school. Yeah. There are people who live in your community, right? Your neighborhood in that school, or people who will literally come to your home. 
if you were acting up in school. Right. Inside the neighborhood, in the community, of course, there are people who knew everybody. Mm-hmm. And all of these situations were interlocking and interconnected. That's not the case anymore. But what we realized that had, at, the, at the most fundamental level of this was a trust factor Boom. that the adults had with each other, mm-hmm. which allowed them to place their children in the care of other people when they were not around. That you know what Hillary but the Clinton. The question was: well, Was that necessarily trust, or was it based on necessity? It was certainly based on necessity, but it was also trust. And I'll okay. tell you why. Let me say this part first. You know, Hillary Clinton made popular the African proverb. The African proverb. Uh, Hillary, it takes a village. It takes a village. Mm-hmm. It really did. Um, we we operated in that way when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't do that anymore. We just we just you know throw off the phrase, but we operate in that way. It takes a village. Now, when I say about the trust factor, is it, it is it is the case that your parents use people in the neighborhood, neighbors across the street, next house, corner house, whatever house behind you, all that kind of stuff. But you didn't go to everybody's house. True. You weren't under the certain now. We as children right. had to respect mm-hmm. all adults. Right. That was just that was just given, but. Your parents didn't necessarily send you to any and everybody's house. Correct. So there was a there was a necessity. Right. But there was also so the trust, trust factor. factor. So what happens? They trust because there was a necessity. Mm-hmm. People developed relationships with their neighbors. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I often tell the story about how we had gone to vacation uh, when I was living in Saint Petersburg with a foster family. We had gone to vacation once, and someone broke into our house. Mm. Um, one night. For the rest of the time we were on vacation, our neighbor across the street sat on our porch every night with a shotgun. Oh, my. Er night. Oh, my. Not every night. Er night. Er night. <laughs> right. That's the kind of thing that, you know. That's real neighborhood, man. Right. That's, that's neighborhood. real neighborhood. Right. And you well, don't need the police to show up. Not when you got somebody who's your neighbor who's going to be like, you know what? This I is got not going to happen. Yeah. I got you. Right. That's that, that, you know, and we didn't even know about the break in or the fact that he was sitting on the porch until we got home. Are you sure he wasn't the lookout man that turned loose? <laughs> turned guard. See, here go Joe. Here go <laughs> Joe. No, we're sure because they actually caught the person who did it. As a matter of fact, we knew who did it even oh. that, when they first. So he snitched told. on the guy who he was helping in the wow. first place. <laughs> wow. Wow. Nah. This is why we can't have progress. In the black community, because you got I'm these. Just saying, guys I'm just saying. Always you know? there with their doubt. <laughs> um, no, but you, no, you really, you you got to know the people in your neighborhood, right. and you were able to, um, you know, turn your kids over. We were disciplined by other people, right? You know, if I had thought about coming out my mouth mm-hmm. to a neighbor, to a, to a um, adult person, if they said something corrective to me. Mm-hmm. And they could see the thought bubble. Not necessarily I said <laughs> it, but they could right. see the thought bubble of me suggesting you ain't my right, right, right. Whatever, right, my dad exactly. and my Before you got that sentence out your mouth, mm. you were got you picking yourself up and they carrying you home <laughs> and telling them why you got knocked out. And they and, and your parents are waiting on you to recover <laughs> just to let you know knock you out. <laughs> you respect you didn't disrespect people. Yeah, uh, we took care. Of each other in the in the communities and neighborhood, and and this is what that's what we did. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you what we didn't do. We didn't get a government grant. We didn't get a program. Mm-hmm. We didn't get any of these things that took kids necessarily out of their neighborhoods so that they could um, do whatever they needed to do with them and then bring them back to the same situation that they just left. Mm-hmm. If the neighborhood is dysfunctional and and crime written and that kind of stuff, I mean. Taking a a you know some fish out of a dirty fishbowl and putting them in a clean fishbowl for a little while, and then taking them out the clean fishbowl and putting them back into the dirty fishbowl when you ain't cleaned the fishbowl you took them out of, what have you actually done? Now, based on that analogy, that's a great analogy of of the process. I would say this though. I agree with part of what it is, is that you should take kids and give them exposure to other things. Right. However, you made a very important point when you say 
when you use the fish analogy and say you put them in a clean environment and then put them back into the dirty environment without cleaning it. Right. And that's where that's right there. It's the whole corner piece. Right. We might not have there might not have been grants that work, but if you don't put the grants into the neighborhood to right. clean them up and work, then right. you're not doing anything. If you're only taking the grants and putting them in the clean water, right. And then dumping the kids back into the then there lies the problem. Exactly. Exactly, and that's, and that's what we're not doing. We're right. not looking at the underlying factors of what's happening right. in the communities to begin with. You're we got people right. living in three-family houses where the folk on the, on the first floor don't even know the folk on the third floor. Well, how is it? You know, it, that's a lack of community. And, you know, it's all across the board, even in my building. I get on the elevator and I say to people, good morning, good evening. And they look at you like, who right. are you? Right. And Why are you know, talking to me? Exactly. And if they don't answer, my 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 very straight answer is, well, prime example, you can't buy class. Yeah. Either you have it or you don't. Right. And I usually just I just blay it out. Yeah. And just let them let them run with that for the rest of their lives. The, the, <laughs> you have no darn class. How the, could you stand next to a human being right. and not acknowledge their existence? That they're speaking to you. Exactly. And, right. and even they're speaking, the fact that they're, that they're there. And they're just there, right. Yeah, but it, it takes to a different level if that person speaks to you and you don't say anything. It, it, I mean, it, that, that's, that's true. Just, it that's does just say. a whole different level. A total different But the, 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 the interpersonal and inter interdependence mm -hmm. reality of community is something that we have lost greatly. Mm -hmm. Now, I want to say this about. Um, I live in a in a nice neighborhood, terrible community. <laughs> I'll be straight with you, man. Okay. I live in a um, great neighborhood, terrible community. Um, when um, I put this term out before, I'd said it in my church. I may have written an article about it. Um, if I haven't, I'm going to. Uh, but it's been out there. We started going out, the group that I had at the church working on this, to the um, ward meetings, mm -hmm. trying to um, encourage people to have potluck dinners somewhere in their neighborhood, or maybe even a neutral place, and invite, you know, have the neighbors come in so they could just start meeting each other. But isn't that, you know, I understand what you're saying, but are we at a part in our society where the genie is out of the bottle, where it's like so hard to get it back in, or if we can't even get it back into the bottle, where it is like people have come to this level of distrust that is so hard for them to say, hey, you know what, I'm going to have this dinner and have people come into my house and not think of even a person who is dressed appropriate and is warm and all of that stuff is not going to come back and decide that, you know, I happen to like. May not may not like the television, but I like the jewelry that's sitting around or something. And I think that's where bless you three times. I think that's where we are in society, where we have a dis, a strong and level of distrust. That very well may be the case, which is why we suggested that it doesn't necessarily have to be in somebody's house. Pick a community spot. Oh, okay. And start there. Well, that's a good idea. Start there. That's a great idea. Um, and and you know having because people when I first rolled this out and I said to the people that was working on this with me I said listen we may go out here and make these ideas and suggest these things and I have to come running right back in here based upon how people react to it mm -hmm. you know what they but so we said you know community spots come and do that just start getting to know each other it meant a great deal to me as a kid mm -hmm. when the neighbor down the street asked me how was I doing in school. How I was doing in school, how school was that day. Mm -hmm. I had an experience just recently where I was at my car that's in the church that parking lot. Go ahead. Mm -hmm. And yeah, you, said, you talked about that the last time you were here. Yeah, right. that's true. That, 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 you know, that's you, a you great ask story. those questions, right? Right. You ask so, those questions. Right. Well, it's interesting though, because you know, when I ask the kids that come here for the after school program, how was school? Where it is, and they open up and they and they're like Oh, you don't care about me in school. Now they come in and they will say, "Hey, Joe, you know I'm doing so and so in school." Right. And um, if you ask the question enough, right, they, they will just assume volunteer. that it's important. Correct. Right? Correct. Just assume that's important. Just like, uh, yeah. and I've said this many times, you know, but the, the three, you know, the three R's of learning: What's repetition, that? repetition, repetition. <laughs> so <laughs> I see things more than once, yeah, okay. uh, so people can get it. But uh, I, you say all the time how when I was in South Carolina and even here, I used to ask the kids, sixth grade, fifth grade, maybe whatever, you know, where are you going to college? Right. And when they, I first started doing that, they would just look at me and I was crazy. Right. And about a year later, kids start answering. That's awesome. 
and I didn't do anything else. And that's awesome. I didn't have a class on you should be thinking about this. Right. I didn't write a paper. I didn't give a, a pamphlet to the parent. I just asked them a question. When are you going to college? It became an expectation in their mind simply because I was asking the question. You know what it is right now? Some people just think, really, a lot of parents too, that really think that uh, kids, I recall saying uh, to a kid where one of the schools here in New Haven, I, I spoke to one of the kids out, where you plan on going to college? And they were in, I think, like fourth grade. Mm -hmm. And one of the parents was like, uh, he's got a lot of time for that. Uh, no, right. what do you mean a lot of time? Right. And people believe that you start worrying about college in high school. No, you start. I started my son before he even got to school. Right. You um um, um sometimes you have to bypass parents when you're talking to kids. And in my position, my role, particularly right. if the parent is, is there, you know, right there in the situation, um, I can do that. Right, because of your role. Right, yes. because of my role. Yes. Because I, you know, I'm not have them open some, you know, side place or whatever. The parents right. standing right there. No, but like I, just, I said the parent was right there with right, me. Right. She you know, sometimes you just have to ignore. She them just grabbed her kid and was like. Uh, he's got a lot of time yeah. for that. I'm like, Whoo. so um, when okay. we started going out, we went out and shook it when we playing with um, mine no more. <laughs> community, community areas and started putting this this idea out there. Yes. Joe, do you know some people literally got intimidated? Yes. By the fact that we were out there. I can, I, I, I first of all, clearly that understand that. Yeah. There were folk who thought that I was trying to run for something. Let me let me. That is clear. like such a first. I did the first thought of right. people. Let me clear the minds of people who are who are who are in the political game in that way. Um, and that's you know that's your thing. I ain't trying to run for nobody's office. Mm. I got an office. <laughs> I got a responsibility. I got a job. I got a calling, and it's not political in that way. Um, I gauge, of course, in politics. I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to critique it. I'm going to analyze. I'm going to, you know, agree and disagree and this sort of thing. But nobody's trying to take your little seat. <laughs> first of all, you got too many older persons in the city in the first place. That's my. That's always been my position. I moved here from a city, the same size of the city, that was run by seven people. You had three council persons. I mean, mm -hmm. you had um, six council persons and a, and a full time mayor. Three of the council persons ran um, at large. Mm -hmm. Three of them ran in districts and full time mayor. That was it. Then you got twenty seven hundred people in there uh, as all the persons representing two really. and a half blocks. Come Not on, really? <laughs> Come really, on. there's thirty of them. There's thirty one. Yeah, thirty. It was the same difference. But you know something? When thirty I first, three three thousand. Yeah, true. When I first <laughs> recognized how many, uh, when I first understood, and I, I think I was, yeah, I was in high school at the time, and I understood the whole ward structure thing. Mm -hmm. I was, and I was like, and keep in mind. You're talking about just the older person, right? But then there's one chip. Those are the folk who got who got concerned. Yeah, because I was in their territory on at their meeting. Right. I mean, one war person whose name and, and and ward I will not call. Who generally when I when we called around, you know, asked to be on the agenda, whole nine yards, right? People were like, okay, you know, is this basically how it's gonna happen? You know, you come here. I went to the ward meeting and um, uh, the, like the secretary or whatever was running the meeting. Like, well, you know, the board person generally doesn't come. The chairperson, whatever. <laughs> I got up to speak. <laughs> Bam! That person just shows up like out of thin air. <laughs> and then tried to scold me. So, you know, uh, no, that's how not how we do it here. Just like at your church, you have some kind of order. And I came there and followed the order that was given me by the people in charge. Because and that thought person coming to that take that spot. I was like, really? He said, really? Well, even, first of all, you don't show up. But as soon as you hear, you that hear about somebody coming, coming you, know, you stop you, panicking. Are they coming for your I'll spot? I live in your ward. Why do you think I'm trying to come in? Because you're planning to move in there. <laughs> you know, it's like, wow. But we're trying to get people to, to think about these things. Right. And, and the thing that is so important to me about this is... It doesn't cost anything. That's a, you're right. To do that part is no cost. It doesn't. Now, here, here's the other part of this stuff. So when I put the term out there and start talking about it, I heard other people gravitate toward it and try to use it and try to attach themselves to the, to the title or to the thing. Now, we said at our meetings at church, we wanted other churches to get involved in this. We wanted other community activities, get, uh, community um, groups, whatever, do this. We didn't try to have any pride of ownership of the overall concept. Um, but the people who tried to attach their names to this mm -hmm. only did that. Tried to attach their names to it. Mm -hmm. There was no substance. Right. There was right. no, um, 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 you know. I see where you're going. I, got, I see anything. Yeah. 
because, attached to it. Because, because they, they, and then a lot of them put it on their little flyers when they send it out for election time. Yeah, you know, yes, people do stuff and like that. they put that. little pictures too now. Right. Because, you know, when they come, well, you know, yeah, I came up with this. And right. I, you know, and like I, I said, I didn't even this. come up with the term, I mean, the phrase itself. But we gave substance. But they would say, I was part of this. If you have a successful program. Oh, yes. I was part of this. Uh, right. XYZ. They had absolutely nothing to do had with it. I see it a they lot. Had no, had tried to do none of the work, tried to, tried to engage us in no, in no particular way. Because we knew and we recognized that um, it's, uh, whatever we came up with was imperfect. Mm-hmm. And so we needed engagement. That's why we went to these meetings. We said, listen, this is our idea. Mm-hmm. How do you think this can be improved? Well, how long ago was this, first of all? Um, this is about, it's been about a year, uh, over a year and now. And how far along has it been? Huh? How far along has you guys come with it? Not very far, quite frankly. We kind of pulled back from it because of what was happening and how things were happening, how people were perceiving the idea. Okay. And then people were making promises that they weren't following through with and all this kind of stuff. Now, when you ask the question about whether or not we've gotten so far so that we don't even want to speak to each other anymore, we don't want people in our our homes and that kind of stuff um and and have we gone too far um my first answer of course is that we asked for you know do a community center that kind of thing but in terms of the overall concept and can we pull this thing back to where we used to do and how we used to behave um you have to understand from my perspective i may not look like it all the time and i may not wear even though i'm a pastor of a church i don't necessarily wear religion on my sleeve Mm-hmm. But from which, my, by I, the way, I'm going to interrupt you. Which, by the way, I think is the, it is my primary reason for the level, and I mean my level of respect for you, brother, is very high. I respect you above and beyond because you don't come off with the phonyism. With oh, I'm dead serious. I'm saying it right now. You do not bring. You're not. You're not running it with me. You come very straightforward. You meet me at where I am, and you know. If I was to be a convert, you'll be the person to do it. We almost got it. Almost like, got it. He's like King Agrippa. Almost persuaded. <laughs> That's what King Agrippa told Paul. Almost persuaded. <laughs> oh, anyway. Uh, but no. Um, I don't wear it on my sleeve. But I, I, I do try as, as much as possible to operate from the perspective of my faith. Mm-hmm. So when you ask that question, the first thing that came to mind was, we're in the Lenten season. Of the Christian calendar Leading up to Easter Mm, mm, mm. I preach about A God Mm. Who sent his son Mm. Died Mm -hmm. And rose from the grave You can't really talk to me very much About what's not possible yeah, so true. I preach about the impossibility. Well, you see that part. I gotta tell you, I do understand clearly. Seeing that <clears throat> guys are something. <laughs> I'm just saying, just from the north. Okay, and I've already told you, you are. <laughs> but so uh, the rest of us. Uh, you know what I always say to that. Right, right. Okay. To be in the family. No, I don't mind Whatever. you guys, but you know, you guys are kids always <laughs> one in. But that's another story. I'm not gonna press it. <laughs> but the reality, the thing is, is that. Um, my faith mm-hmm. majors in the impossible. Let me just say this again. This is why I have an utmost respect for you. Because you look at, you heard me what I said. But you don't let that bother you. You look at my actions. And you judge me by my actions. And that's something that I could strongly appreciate. And this is why I have the utmost respect for you. Because you see me for who I truly am. Thank you, sir. Well, yeah. Um, listen, all of us, what we, we used to say, uh, oh, they, I think they're still saying it in church now, every, um, every sinner has a future and every saint has a past. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I, I, don't, I don't necessarily find that, that phrase um, um, attractive book? anymore because all of us are sinners. Because I don't find it a, 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 uh, applicable for this situation. Well, well, that's you know, another story. All of, all of us are sinners, so all of us have a future. <laughs> And um, you know, a, a trying to move towards our our best self, be our best self. Um, I don't think that you know we need to run around with you know Jesus tattooed to our heads or you know whatever our faith happens to be. I think what our faith really is about is us living it and and, and trying to um, 
take these principles and ideals that come from our faith mm -hmm. and make them operative in the world in some very specific way. And so this is what I'm looking at. You know, we look at these situations, we say, you know, this is just too far gone. Are we too far gone? Mm -hmm. I don't think so. I think it's possible. I think all things are possible. Correct. Um, it's, it's a matter of us actually engaging because what I also believe from my faith perspective is that we already have everything that we need. I, I, I sincerely believe that. It's a matter of whether we have activated it or not. Wow. See, for me, Jesus was not some person that we supposed to, you know, that came down here for us to worship. But he was came down here to be an example and to say to, say to us, if I'm the son of God, so are you. If I'm a child of God, so are you. And if God is in me, God is also in you. I'm just trying to enliven what's in you that you have allowed to die or that you never realized that is a part of what your, your, your reality because your, your, your community, your society, your, the dominant cultures in which you live have told you that you are less than nothing, have told you that you don't have the ability to do this, that, and the other thing. And we believed it. We have believed it. And that's why we find ourselves in these desperate situations. But I believe that if our people just start talking to each other in the neighborhood, if we get to know each other, know people and know the kids by their names, if we set up in our communities, just check this out. The few neighbors around put together a few dollars. And so I ain't talking about no grant money either. I'm talking about the few dollars that's in your pocket right now. To one of the persons who happens to be home during the time the kids get out of school so that they can go and buy some snacks and have those kids come to that house and do their homework. Yep. Do you imagine, can you imagine the great uh, possibilities that can happen that just is, around something like that? And that is a, the school budget doesn't have to increase. Right. The grant doesn't have to be written. The government doesn't have to spend a dime. For and us they to have zero kind of control they over zero your control over it. Exactly. That is, you know, that, that, that is one of the greatest ideas out here, man. Because there are people who are available and is more than willing to help. But, you know, you know they, they, the, the thing about it, people start doing something. Here's the thing about money and people. That really drives me nuts. Mm -hmm. you, have, you come up with this idea. It's a great one. And everyone's like, oh, this is great. And they start doing it. And they do it for a few months. And their kids are benefiting from it. Mm -hmm. So maybe it's just $5 they give. And collectively it adds up. All of a sudden there becomes an accountant in the group. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and that is always the problem. Right. The accountant who wants to sit around and say how much. Right. Oh, he make a lot of money over there. Right. You know? And now next thing, either they want to downplay what you've done to help the person. Right. Or once a, or he needs some competition. Right. And next thing you know, you have that level. And now it, it starts tearing the, the, the fabric apart. Yeah. There are too many, there are too many possibilities. Um, I, you know, I, I, I say to my congregation all the time, you can say what you want to about Satan. Hmm. But one thing you can't say is that Satan is lazy. <laughs> so true. Always so busy. So true. Always, Always busy. busy, right? <laughs> and, and trying to find anything that's happening in a good way. And, 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 and disrupt it and mess it up, put obstacles and all this kind of stuff. That's why we have to be strong in our mentalities. That's why we got to be strong. Man, I really love that line. Um, say what you want about <laughs> Satan, but you can't say he's lazy. Can't say he's lazy. Man, and, that makes me want to move even more now, man. And see, while, while, while um, ah. our churches, like, you know, the ones in Baltimore, and sometimes, you know, even um, in the more local situations, mm -hmm. are trying to base their credibility on how many members they have. The numbers game. Everybody baby. wants to monetize everything. Everything is and a numbers sometimes, game. Sometimes church officials have made that necessary because we're paying preachers based upon how many members they have, right. how many people come in the door, and that sort of thing. And so it turns preachers into um, um, snake oil salesmen mm -hmm. to get more and more people in the door so they mm -hmm. can increase their 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 you know. Now um, you raise even a bigger life. point. Right. So you it got goes back to what I was saying. Do you think? The genie is out of the bottle on that issue. Well, the genie, the genie is out on so many things. My point is that I think we can put the genie back in. If and we that is real. Yes. Because because money is I think we can put thing. it back in on any issue. But you're right. People get upset and monetized because they don't think. And, they, and that's one of the things. is They don't think 
um, deeply enough or, or, or broadly enough. For example, the situation that you just mentioned. Okay, we're giving them this particular home or family, whatever, five dollars, so that they can buy some snacks and the kids do this. And then people's like, well, you know, how much money we give them or what they got? Why don't they still have what we gave them last week? What you're not thinking about is the person that you gave that money to is not just um, uh, buying snacks. The they got lights. They got light bills. Okay. They got the the wear and tear yeah, on I their. Mean, you know, you don't think about it. Yeah. Even yeah. their um their their um personal time right. and exactly. energy that's right. you know shut up right. thank you and stop you know stop, stop trying to count dollars and pennies up, or, or trying, trying to, to monetize everything exactly without recognizing what the ultimate value of right. stuff you know stuff is so true um and and it's not all in the dollar bill. The question that we need to be asking in terms of our churches is not how many members you have, not how many services you do, not how, you know, all this other stuff that ain't even relevant, but how deeply are your people engaged and involved in the principles of Christianity and where does that show up? Dollar, dollar bill, girl. Where does that show up? Because see, here's the thing I, I keep reminding people of. The Civil Rights Movement was started by some sisters. God bless our sisters. Who... Began the bus boycott, mimeographing. Actually, yeah, actually civil rights. If you want to really look at it in depth, I think it started in the early 1900s uh, with a woman who were looking for equal uh, equality. No, no, yeah, I, that I'm, was started by Sister Sue, by the way. Right, but, but I'm talking about the, sub, the modern Southern. Right, the modern Southern Southern Civil Rights Southern Civil Rights Movement. The bus boycott in Montgomery, yeah. Alabama, with some sisters. Yeah. It was not by preachers. So true. It was not by the NAACP president. Amen. It was not by all these people who were in these folks these uh -huh. leadership roles. But those sisters were able to do what they did because they were inspired by what was being taught in their churches. Hey. So they took their principles and ideas and the teachings from their churches and they made it real in their communities and made life better for so many others of us. But only 15% of the black church participate in the civil rights movement. That is so true. You see, now, I was shocked when I was so, I was so shocked, Sam, when I, when I found that out, and I, this is no, this is recent history, to me, recent uh, information right. to me. I just found this out probably about like two years ago. I was just happened to be was just looking to see the depths of civil rights and who was involved. And I was like, it was something like 14, 15%. I was like, so it was the question a very becomes, low number. I was what like, was happening in the other 85% of those churches? Ah, exactly. You know what I'm a, saying? That's so a lot of venom, baby. You can't impress me uh -huh. with numbers. Right. I don't talk about numbers. When every, anytime somebody finds out I'm a pastor, they go, how large is your church? <laughs> I said, I don't count them. There you go. That's not why I'm there. I'm there to try to 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 try to, um, orient them, them in a way that... Um, that makes them understand that Christianity and faith is, is action. So true. And it's action that should show up outside of the walls of the church. So I don't care how many choir rehearsals you go to, how many usher or ursha meetings you go to. <laughs> I don't care how many deacons meetings and trustee meetings. If what you are doing in the church doesn't show up outside the church, mm -hmm. what difference does it make? What difference does it make? So Scott's you know we got you know oh, oh this is oh this is a, you know this is great you know T D Jakes, mm. Eddie Long the late mm. you know got all these folk. How is that showing up outside of your church building at the Potter's House in Dallas, Texas? Mm, mm, mm. How is that showing up in Atlanta with you and all these other mega churches that you have? Mm. So you can't convince me of the greatness and the quality of what you are doing if what you are doing doesn't show up somewhere. Outside the church. And I'm not talking about because your people are nice. You know, yeah. this Emily Post Christianity. Oh, yeah. I said, excuse me, because I'm a Christian. I love the Lord. <laughs> really? <laughs> really? Which is so, you are, you just play back a full rewind. You rewind and play back the exact words I have heard in the past. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm in that. the same. So, so, this is the last part is because we're going to talk a little bit about what you want to talk about. Oh, is that right? Yeah, just a little don't bit. Stress don't stress the brother out, man. Try to give you too much of my time. No, no, please don't. Don't, don't, <laughs> don't stress the brother out, man, because um, I want to talk about a stressful stuff. So, my, my, um, my final, um, not, well, not meant a final, but another part of this journey for me is to actually engage the mayor. Our present mayor, mm -hmm. and if our present mayor continues to be our mayor, mm -hmm. continue to engage. We get another mayor, engage that person. To see how they are willing to put this out there in the community 
and try to set certain things up to, for this to happen. See, because I'm fully convinced that there are things that the government can and should do. Not only can and should do, but have a moral obligation to do. Yes, citizens. But there are things that they cannot do. So true. The school board cannot do. They can set up the best school system, build the best buildings, put the best teachers, and have the best programs inside the school. They can't make your children turn the television off at night. Yeah. But I do believe that they need to go into the communities and start saying to the people, listen, we can't make your kid turn the television off at night. And if you don't make them do that, it doesn't matter what we do on this end of the situation. They're still going to get a horrible education because they sleep while the lessons being taught. And a little pushback to that is that I, I want you guys to understand, the listeners especially, to understand we're coming from, at least I know myself, and I'm quite sure I'm speaking for Sam as well, we're still coming from the perspective where we clearly understand that all the parents are not in the home for very different legitimate reasons. Right, right. We're very much and so this aware is of where the neighbor in the hood Thank comes you. in. That's because what I was it does, in fact, take the village. Yep. So when there are times when you can't be there, mm -hmm. that you trust somebody and people in your community who will be there and can be there and can make them turn the television off at night. Right. Okay. We have young couples, young families, and sometimes single parents who need help. The, and, and you know mama and them ain't around or whatever and we have people in those communities we have elderly people on days like this for example who's checking on the elderly folks to see if they if they got enough food from the supermarket right and that sort of stuff right. this is the kind of thing that you don't need any government money for right and I think the government should get out there and say these kinds of things there are things that we do and we can't but if they we do don't that the you don't rely on them and if you don't rely on them then you ain't gonna vote right you know that kind of mentality it's but the all in their head. you can send the police when a crime happens mm -hmm. but can you do something in your community that the police can't do to stop the crime from happening in the first place now you're trying to have police unemployed we're talking I, about neighbors in the hood no we don't we always need them. a bunch of unemployed police. we don't always need them <laughs> But do we need them as the as the what, what do you call it first first response response no the first response is like the general mm -hmm. I told you about before who went to this church mm -hmm. during Veterans Day and told the Christians assembled in that building your job is to make my job irrelevant huh. have mercy and that's what we should be saying to our churches and have our community mercy. leaders right now in terms of the police. Your job is to make my job irrelevant in the terms of picking up these kids, disciplining them, putting them in prison, putting them in jail cells, all that kind of stuff. If we did what we're supposed to do, we would not be bringing police officers in to talk to our, our kids. They don't do that anywhere else except black communities, and we need to stop that. Let's talk about what you want to talk about. I don't know if I want to change from this. This I, is yeah, so strong. I can, I can keep going. No, I mean, this is so <laughs> real. I mean, you, you, you open up a serious can of worms. We don't need police in our community because it does not, like you said, it does not happen. I, you know, I've been in other communities. I lived in other communities. And you, as, you, as you said that, it just dawned on me. He's so right. P police officers don't show up. In white in, communities, in, 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 in the suburban high schools and stuff, no. and tell kids how they need to dress and act and walk and talk and all this stuff. That doesn't happen. We are the only community that rely upon police to train and raise our children, and that's ridiculous to me. It is absolutely I'm with ridiculous. You on that. They are there to protect us, of Sir. course, and to help us, of course. But for example, I shouldn't have to ride down Whaley Avenue, for example, past my congregation, the building where I where I work, and see a police officer hiding in the in the background in the in the in the dark trying to catch me speeding. <laughs> what? <laughs> Be somewhere where I can see you when I need help. Don't be somewhere where you're trying to catch me so you can raise money for the. Let's go with what you're talking about because you're going to keep me on this all day. Brother, man, we got taxes to pay. We, we, you, 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 you see what's going on outside? It's snowing. Right. You know, it's going to. They, they got to move snow plows, mm -hmm. man. So they got to raise that money, man. But That's why put, they're hiding in the hood. But corner. if we put the neighbor in the hood. Yeah, but then we ain't going to get the lesson, snow removed. We lessen the amount of money that we actually have to spend on certain kind of services and things because we are not doing and uh, creating problems mm -hmm. that are not, you know, that we got to pay for and pay off and all the other kind of stuff. Let's, let's, but it's let's so much. You know, what you're saying is so much. Let's, you know, whatever I want to talk about is irrelevant. Let's go let's dig a little deeper for, for the last few minutes that we have here. Mm -hmm. You know, I hear what you're saying and it sounds so great. But it, it's also another problem on the other side when we have the law enforcement who some guys go into that job because they look at it as, well, 
80 to 85 percent of the time, I'm not going to be doing anything. And mm. uh, what we used to call it in the military, you're shamming. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, that's what they're doing. You know, they shamming, and you know it. Hurry up and wait. Exactly. Yeah. A lot of them are just like, you know, they're just sitting there and they, you know, they, they just shamming. They're doing nothing. And they go into that job for that reason. Mm. Some of them are motivated by that, and they guarantee a pension, mm. guarantee the health benefits. Right. You know, so they, they, that's what they look forward to. So the question that became, uh, even if we do take away all the, you know, if we start doing our stuff in our community, and these guys are just playing shammers, they got to go back now and be retrained to do other things that they might not want to do. So where do we go with that? And then, of course, they got the unions to back up. So you see, you see the big cycle that we're looking at when we... The, the, the vicious cycle, the how do we attack that big, so, well not attack, but how the, do we approach that big, no, no. we approach from the perspective that the police department is here to serve the community. Right. The community is not here to serve them. True. So if the game has been changed to the point where we don't need as many of y'all running around in police, I, the, the day that I came home off my vacation, um, that night I'm driving from the airport, I always, I like to drive from the airport. Um, after I've been in the air, I just like to get in my car and drive. <laughs> I'm driving down Whaley, you know, mm-hmm. and cop car with lights flashing, no sound, but light flashing, and boom, past me at high rate of speed. About two or three minutes later, maybe two minutes, maybe not even that, three of them mm-hmm. with lights blaring and sound, boom, 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 coming down, you know. I don't know what they're going after. I don't know what, they, what it's all about or whatever, but. Okay, when we have emergency situations, we have situations where we need protection. They're always going to have criminals. You're always going to have people doing stuff. Do your job. Do your job. But we shouldn't have to have police officers just riding around in our community looking looking for some. for trouble. Well, here's the one thing that I have a problem with. The one thing I have a big problem with is the noise, the sirens. Well, you were up in my place, right? And you heard those sirens going off, and we looked down and saw three quarters of the time, guy go right around the corner and just stop. Right. It's like this is so bad for the for the city, and this is something that a lot of people have not realized. But what happens is you have people who are up there in these buildings, and you know, all downtown, and you keep hearing all these sirens, sirens. You get a parent come in to visit them. You have a family member come in to visit them, and they hear say, "Hey, you guys got a lot of sirens. What's the crime rate? Right, crime, crime, right. crime." You and make that, the city seem ex- unsafe. Exactly, uh, and, and it's totally not safer than it is. Exactly, and right. it's totally not as unsafe as it is because you got to keep playing your damn sirens. Shut them off. Right. All right, people, sir. Thank you for listening. Um, it's been great to be back. Um, we'll be back here again on next Friday, same time. It's great having you back. Time. I got to tell you, man. You I miss much. you, man. It's good to be best. Good to be best. Absolutely. All right. This has been Community Spotlight, and we'll see you on the other side next Friday. Have a good weekend. Doing my thing, believe and come back in the game like boomerang. You-